Welcome into another episode of We're Talking Tonight, Craig Malasson, or this morning, or today, or tomorrow. Craig Malasson, Dave Amato. We're going to talk Raging Cajun football's first game, Southeastern Louisiana. How are you tonight, Dave? I'm doing great, sir. I'm doing really good, ready for some football. Yeah, I know, but do we really need football this early in the year? Yes. <laughs> I'll agree with you, so. Let's talk about Southeastern. If you go back, the history of the two programs um, have only played uh, six times since 1966, with the Cajuns being five and one in those in those six games. And the only loss was a um, a. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to hit click another thing there. Let's go back. Let's talk about that. Well, yeah, I am still correct. Um, no, I'm sorry. Nine times since 1966, and the Cajuns are eight and one in those games, and the only loss being at Cajun Field, a seven nothing uh, Lions victory in 1981, the year before I came to school here. So, damn, you're old. You are right. Um, <laughs> at least I don't remember those night that 1966, 67, yeah. 68 games. Very interesting, though. The teams haven't played more often than that. Uh, but I think um, at that time, Southeastern was not in the Southland Conference. Okay. So I'm not sure about that. Um, it wasn't till. Um, uh, well, I'll have to do some research on that for our post-game interview. But uh, let's talk about where do we want to start here. Let's talk about where it all starts with uh, for us right now tonight is Southeastern's offense. Where, yeah. where at the quarterback position, they lost a guy. So, Yeah, they lost a really good one. Um, Cole Kelly, who played at Arkansas, uh, transferred to Southeastern. He won the Walter Payton Award, which is basically the Heisman Trophy, uh, his junior year. Senior year, you know, everybody says he should have won it again. He didn't get it, but he put up some huge numbers for them, and and they've got to replace him, and he was a big piece of their offense. He was a huge size-wise guy. Um, he did a lot of things with his legs, did a lot of things with his arm. Uh, so they had a heated quarterback controversy, and that quarterback uh, competition, uh, during the offseason between two former FBS starters, uh, Cephas Johnson III, who used to be a starter at uh, South Alabama, and then also Colby Suits, who was a uh, part-time starter at ULM. Uh, CJ3, as they call him, won the job, uh, which I, I, I expected that to happen, and I think most people did. Um, and then I found out recently within the last couple of days that Colby Suits has now decided he's going to transfer out. He's a senior. I don't know what his plans are. I don't know where he's going to go, what he's going to do, but he is uh, no longer on the team. So Cephas Johnson will be the starter and they are really young behind him. So if they get injuries or anything happens, they've got freshmen who are the guys backing him up and I'm sure they're talented guys, but again, they have not taken a snap of football at the college level. So um, it's CJ3 or bust for them right now. 
I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I'm looking through some of the record books. Um, we The most punts that we've had in a game was 14 against Southeastern in, uh, in 1967. But also in that same game, evidently, we had the most yards that we've had in a game, 580 against Southeastern in 1967. So uh, I'm not laughing at, at yours. But, okay, so starting quarterback. Uh, talk a little bit more about the starter. We You talked about the guys that left. You talked about the replacement. Yeah. What do we know about him? So, so yeah, he, he had gotten a chance to start at uh, South Alabama. He's a big kid. He's 6'5", 220, um, got a strong arm. He's, a, he's a, a little bit of a kind of a dual threat guy. Um, he played against us a few years back, and he's talented. I mean, he's going to be, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's what you physically look for in a quarterback, right? 6'5", 220, strong arm, ability to move a little bit in the pocket. Um, but he had his struggles at South Alabama. It wasn't that he was the full-time starter. He, he bounced around. Desmond Trotter, I think, beat him out, who will be South Alabama starter this year. Um, so he kind of struggled to find his way, decided to transfer out once he lost that starting job and ended up at South Alabama. But, I mean, he's, he's a guy who was talented enough to be recruited by a, a Sunbelt team and be named the starter for a Sunbelt team. So I, I think, look, the expectations are um, he's good enough that he's going to be able to do some things against some quality opponents. And we're going to have to, you know, we saw it last year when we played a guy who was a pretty good quarterback at Nichols. Um, these guys are talented, and and obviously they were recruited by uh, FBS schools for a reason. So um, I'm not concerned about him, but you know he does have a you know a big enough arm and enough talent that he can give us some 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 struggles every now and then. Let me correct something I said earlier. We did not have 580 yards of. Uh of offense that was 580 yards in punts oh wow in 1960 wow 14 punts for 580 yards that's a lot of punts uh yeah and the uh i'm just going to give two more um here uh, the longest play for uh for a Cajun opponent was 88, 88 yards, C.J. Alexander in 1960 for Southeastern. Um, and then uh, um, most first downs in a game uh, tied with Texas A&M at 24, uh, 1961. So uh, I, I'm done giving the little, I just found that part a little amazing there. So, okay. Uh, Ah, I'm sorry. Um, oh, I don't have my notes on that. Uh, Southeastern uh, running back. So, all right, transfer in from South Alabama, big boy. Something similar on the transfer portal there, or they got something they've, uh, for lack of a better term, homegrown? Uh, at running back? Yes. Yeah, at running back, they've got they've got a, a little bit of both. Um Taron Jones will be there, probably their feature bat, back, I think. I think he won the starting job, but we'll see another guy, uh, Javon McClendon, 
who was a transfer from UCLA. Um, they're, they've got, you know, they, they struggled last year really to run the ball at the running back position. Um, and that was only because Cole Kelly led the team in rushing. Uh, so I don't know. We, it's going to be a question mark on the running game. And they, they did not run the ball. Look, they, they put up a lot of yards rushing the ball, but it didn't come from the running back position. Uh, Taron Jones was their leading running back uh, for them. But, but again, most of their yards on the ground came from the quarterback position because Cole Kelly was such a special athlete. Um, so, so again, it's, it's a little bit of a question mark in their running game. Um, so we'll have to see. Taron Jones, uh, last year he rushed with only 387 yards. He did have six touchdowns on 85 carries, and he averaged about four yards a carry. Um, but it, it was only 28 yards a game on the ground from him, and he was their leading guy uh, in the backfield. So I, I don't know what to expect in the running game. I think they're going to want to run the ball more because they don't have Cole Kelly back there at quarterback. Um, and we might see more of a running game, but I, I don't think it's anything that we should be super concerned about. Um, he is a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield, though. He's a little bit more of a, you know, a, uh, a guy who likes to uh, have the ball in space. He uh, He's going to be a threat out of the backfield catching the ball. So I think we'll see both of those guys playing a lot against us. McClendon's more of a power back. He's a bigger kid. He's uh, Taron Jones is 5'10", 205, and, uh, and, and uh, McClendon is 6'1", What about the receiver side of the ball? Are they going to use the tight end? Are they going to get the throw to, uh, to their wide receivers? How are uh, – yeah, is... so everything that I've heard from Coach Selfo uh, on his press conferences and everything else, it, it sounds like he is really excited about their, their wide receiver core. Um, they've got a number of guys who are really good and are Southland, uh, uh, preseason players, uh, all conference players, uh, Gage Lavardian is probably their best guy. He's a first team preseason, all conference guy. He had 37 catches last year. Um, uh, he's not a big kid. He's only five, 10, 160, but he's. He's kind of that speedster for him. Uh, behind him is a guy by the name of C.J. Turner. He's another preseason uh, all-conference pick. He's a second-teamer, but he's the bigger of the two. He's 6'2", 180, um, and he had 27 catches last year with five touchdowns. So uh, he's a little bit more of the deep threat. He had 17 yards uh, catch last year, so he he can he can go deep on us. Um, so they But they've got some other guys in that room as well. they got a transfer from – uh, Southern Miss, uh, Antoine Robinson, who's uh, going to be a pretty good guy. He had 30 catches for Southern Miss, so he's a guy who's played a lot for them. And then they've got a couple of JUCO guys that coming in, and, and so they're they're going to be they're going to be okay at wide receiver. That's the position they're not concerned about. Uh, so we'll have to face some pretty good wide receivers. Uh, they don't really go to, or they didn't last year go to the tight end a whole lot. They do get a, a couple of transfers in at that position. Um, but but not anything that jumps off the page at you. You know, the one of the things I found interesting and in, in with with losing uh, uh, Cole Kelly is that I don't know if this speaks more about Southeastern or if it talks more about 
the state of the Southland Conference right now, but Southeastern was was picked as the favorite for the for the Southland Conference. Yeah, so, so they've got a lot of they, they they're excited about this year. Um, and this is an intriguing game because you're you've got a team that in us that no one's really sure about, right? Because we've got a lot to replace. And then this is a team that's a uh, top 25. I think they were ranked 16 or 17 in the preseason polls in the F- FCS. So their, their expectation is that this is going to be a pretty good team coming off of a really good year. They, they went nine and four last year, made it to the second round of the FCS playoffs. So um, they got a lot coming back, um, but they lost a lot too. So it's going to be, you know, the expectation is this is going to be a pretty good year for them, but they got to replace a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, offensive line, how, how do they stack up size wise? Um, yeah. What, what are we looking at there? They're, they're big. I mean, they, they, for an FCS team, they've got some size and have got some talent. Um, it's a mixed bag because they, um, they have two guys. They lost a lot on the offensive line. But they've got two guys coming back that are first team all Southland Conference guys that were really good players last year, John Allen and Jalen Fell. Um, and, and he played all, uh, Allen played all 13 games for him at left guard. He's 6'1, 305, and Fell's 6'5, 300, and he'll be the left tackle. And he played all 13 games last year. So they get both of those guys back, and then they get another guy back who didn't play last year. Uh, Brennan Lanclos, uh, who's six seven three hundred, um, and, and he should be the starter at right tackle, and he's a projected second team All Conference guy. So they, they've got they've got some talent, but they lost two guys off that offensive line that they've got to replace, and, and it'll be a. It'll, I'm not sure who's going to be there. I think the expectations are that they have a couple of guys. I, I heard Coach Selfo talk about a guy by the name of Dom Sarah Sarah. I'm going to butcher this one, Sarah Piglia, uh, and I'm Italian and I can't even pronounce it. Uh, yeah, I'm really, not going there. <laughs> <laughs> that he's really excited about on the offensive line. He's a young guy. So they've got some, you know, some talent that they, uh, they've got to replace, but they've got some good names that have played for them a lot of downs coming back. Um. What 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 do you, in your opinion, where is where is the strength of this uh, southeastern offense? I mean, where yeah. where where do the Cajuns have to be careful and not get I, beat? I think, I think where they got to get careful and and look, it, it matches up well for us. I think where we got to be careful is uh, at the wide receiver position, um, but we have such good defensive backs. I'm not concerned that much. If that's their strength, uh, we should be all right. Um, they don't, you know, I, I think what they're going to try to do is beat us on the edge and try to get deep on us with receivers that they think are quality guys. And, and like I said, I'll put Eric Garrard and Trey Amos and, and a couple of our other guys against anybody, uh, especially from Southeastern. I, I think we're going to match up well against them because their strength is going to be trying to hit the ball on the outside to their, their explosive receivers. Um, I, you know, I think if it was a different game and we were playing Cole Kelly, it would be in my mind, it would be different. Um, but this is a, a team that I'm not sold on Cephas Johnson at quarterback. And uh, if they're going to try to challenge our defensive backs, I think we're going to be all right. How, um, 
going back to 2017, uh, the, the last year the two teams met, 51-48 uh, victory by the Cajuns. You know, Raymond Collet had two um, kickoff returns for a touchdown, 100 yards and a 97-yarder. Uh, you know, it, the Cajuns finished five and seven that year, but still, um, kind of a tough, tough game. And maybe, maybe it was, it was a microcosm of what was going to come for the Cajuns that season, you know, but are you expecting anything to be, I guess, that close again? I don't, I don't, um, look, I think this team is going to be good. They're going to be a very good FCS team. I think their expectation to be a top 25 team will come through. I think they'll make the playoffs. I, I think they're going to be a good team. I don't think they can, I don't, this team and the this team versus the 2017 Cajun team are two different stories, right? Um, I, I think the talent level is completely different. Obviously, I think Southeast is better than they were then, but I think we're going to be we're going to be okay when you look at where we have come and where we are now compared to where we were in 2017. So it's not something that that scares me. I think that this team's going to move the ball and they're going to score some points, but I don't think it's any. We're not going to have you talking about a 45 to 42 game where we have to return two kicks for touchdowns to beat them. Well, the uh, the nice part is, I mean, on Southeastern's part, uh, they don't have that schedule that they had a couple of springs ago when COVID hit, yeah. where they didn't play yeah. in the fall and they and they had to play some teams twice to get a schedule together for the for the for the fall. So yeah. uh, they they, I mean, again, I think it'll it'll only make them get better as they go along. But they open up against Cajuns yeah. and they head to Florida Atlantic, which just beat. Yeah. Uh, who did they beat? Florida Atlantic. Why would you ask me that when I don't have well, it up on the screen? Uh, well, I mean, it was, it was it was one of those games that was was like the I know, this I know. past Friday night. I forgot who they beat. Yeah, it was a week but, zero game. It yeah, was, uh, they beat Charlotte badly. They beat them forty three to thirteen. And 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 that's not a good look for Charlotte, who is moving. Are they no. moved to the AAC? Yes, I believe. Did they move? Are they one of the ones that's moving? I, I can't remember. Yeah, I think okay. Some... I think so, but here nor there. We're not yeah, worried about but no, Charlotte. They, they, uh, but they, I hope the they, AAC, AAC, I mean, a middle-of-the-pack conference DOA team beats uh, a future AAC team. Got to love that one. Yeah, and look, yeah, no, you're absolutely right about that. But you got to look at it. Um, this is a team, and again, I know uh, Louisiana Tech wasn't very good last year, but this is a team that lost to Louisiana Tech 45 to 42 uh, last year, and they're playing two FCS teams, uh, FBS teams this year. They're not afraid to play them. Now, look, they're not matching up against, you know, a P5 opponents. But they're playing, they, they, they're going to go out there because they know they've got to make their schedule, right? they got to make their schedule against some, some pretty good teams because of the, the way the Southland is set up now. Um, so they're playing us and they're playing FAU. They're going to get a, a game one and game two against two quality opponents. So they'll, they'll know where they stand after those two games where, you know, and whether they're ready to play against the, the FCS competition that they'll be facing. Absolutely. Um, uh, let's go ahead and uh, well, before before we go there, the Cajuns all time are 21, 20 and two 
against Southeastern. So, and that goes back to 1930. <laughs> so, um, neither one of us were alive. Either. No, no, not, not, not a very, uh, yeah, not a very good, uh, I really thought we'd have played them more, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, we'll be back after this brief timeout. You've been listening. We're talking with Craig Malasa and Dave Amato. Welcome back into We're Talking, Craig Malasa and Dave Amato. Dave, let's uh, let's get into the defense. Let's start out with the defensive line, the big guys, and uh, yeah. what do they have there? Where are we looking at? You got guys like Bryce Cage, Garrett Crawford. Are they going to be the the guys that we're going to be looking at that we're going to have to punish to get out of there? They they are. Um, both of those guys were all Southland preseason players, um, Bryce Cage and uh, Garrett Crawford. Uh, uh, they're they're going to be, you know, Cage is their guy. He's six four two sixty defensive lineman for Baton Rouge. He played Scotlandville High School. He's a he's a good player. Uh, uh, he was a Phil Steele freshman all-american last year so he's a he's a solid player and then crawford 61250 from salmon uh salmon uh in slidell and he was a southland second team player i know i said Salmon. i said salmon. i know and i i had laughs because because i would have screwed that up so hey. yeah um but another player to keep an eye on is uh sharif say he's a 6'5 250 defensive end from houston so he played all 13 games last year and had seven starts so they've got some experience coming back on the defensive line i think that's going to be a, a a solid position uh core for them i think they're they're really excited about about that 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 group um i don't know what they have behind those guys but those three are going to be guys we're going to have to watch out for, specifically those first two uh, that we named. Well, that's generally what happens, and and that's where you get into the difference between a uh, uh, a Power Five to a G five to a FCS school is the depth. Uh, it's not so much. It, it, don't get me wrong; there is the talent level at the at the starters, but it's the depth of of uh, continuing to be able to bring those guys in. And to keep them fresh and and to keep them healthy. So, um, we're ah, I'm I'm trying to figure out. So, the linebackers, Zy Alexander. Yeah, yeah Zy Alexander is more of a kind of a hybrid guy. He's not super big. He's undersized. He kind of plays all over the field. He's a he's special. Um, and he's an all-American. He's he's a guy that they are going to look to to lead him. But he, again, he's going to play more of a safety. He's going to kind of bounce back and forth in that safety linebacker position. Uh, but he's he's a special difference maker. But they got other players there as well. Uh, uh, who I was going to say, who else? Who else are we looking there at this at the linebacker position? Yeah, Herman Christophe is a 5'11", 235 player. Played uh, 10 starts for him last year and had 45 tackles with two and a half sacks. He's a he's a solid place, player, but they've got a lot to replace there. Um, they had a couple of guys from last year in Alexis uh, Ramos and Mike Mason, who were their top tacklers last year, who have gone. Um, so the linebacker position is a position of a little concern um, because and these these are always tough because 
lot of history uh, or not a lot of websites and magazines that talk about uh, FCS football. And of course they haven't played a game yet this year. So you're kind of trying to draw the notes and everything you can find on these guys. But, but the reality is of all the positions on defense that they're going to be the, probably the biggest need, it's going to be at the linebacker position. Because like I said, two of their top guys aren't coming back from last year. Yeah, Zy Alexander that 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 you, that you had mentioned that plays all over at 6'3", 185 is more of a size wise is a defensive back and is picked as a uh, is a, a second team All American um, yeah. uh, on the FCS side. So yeah. uh, again, that's going to be uh, it'll be interesting to see where they where they have on the between you know if if we can get into that that second level of the defense and break something. Uh, I'm not saying we're going to be home free because the strength of this team is really their defensive back. So talk about their defensive back, but besides uh, Zai Alexander, you got Berlando Jordan, six, six foot, 180 uh, uh, red search senior, but again, first team all American FCS. Yeah, their uh, their 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 strength is going to be in the back in the back half of their defense. So, you know, look, the key is like you said, getting past that 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 front group uh, because I do think there's some some holes in the middle group. Um, and if we get out get there, especially in the running game, you know, I feel confident we'll be all right. But you know, throwing against this team is going to be a little bit of a challenge. Uh, Philando Jordan, who you talked about, is is a really good player. Um, and he missed part of last year with an injury. So they've got some other players there too. They've got a senior from St. Aug, uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel Ward McGee. Um, and he was third on the team in tackles last year. So he's going to be a pretty good player. We talked about Zy, McCon- uh, Zy Alexander and we talked about, uh, uh, Jordan, who's another really good player, but there's, they're deeper than that. This team's, like I said, the back, the back third of their defense is where I think they are going to make some plays. And and so just like on the side of the ball, where they, I, I think, you know, they're going to try to attack us with their wide receiver, which is their best core. I think we've got the same situation. We're going to be throwing our best core, our wide receiver group, at their defensive backs. That's going to be a really exciting matchup to me. I, I think those two matchups, their receiver cornerbacks, and then our receivers against their cornerbacks are going to be fun. Well, I think this is going to be a, a, a great test for the Cajuns to see where we stand with Chandler Fields and the rest of the offense moving the ball down the field. Are we going to be able to move? Because this might be, if they're healthy, one of the, one of the deaths best defensive backfield that we're going to see this season. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. I think uh, there's a, there's a good possibility that, you know, I, and we're going to face some good defensive backfields, but this one is as good as we're probably going to see, especially in the first probably four games. I, I, I By far, the first four games, this could be the best defensive backfield we're going to face. Yeah, Ward McGee, I mean, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, third in the, in the team in tackles, which um, doesn't bother me because that tells me, hey, hey, running backs, let's, let's bust through the line and let's go. Get into the second level, yeah. right? 
And I think that's where, I mean, we, I mean, you talked about it on the defensive line. You talked about the defense. I, I think that's their strength. I think that's their depth. It, but if you can get into that middle section there, yeah. which says a lot for the Cajuns, getting five to seven to 10 yards a game can put them on their heels big time. And I think that's going to be the goal, right? It's going to be a lot of mixing up the offense and, and, and running the ball and having consistent run game with a passing game that keeps Southeastern on their heels and, and attacking that linebacker core. Because if we get the ball in space and we're now facing our running backs and our receivers against their defensive backs, I, I, after they've gotten the ball in their hands, I think we've got the advantage there. So uh, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun matchup, but I, I, I think we've, you know, they've got some holes that we can attack. And that's what I think uh, Coach Dez will be, will be looking at is, is how to get the ball somewhere in that middle level so we can attack, you know, in space. You know, last year they gave up, uh, you know, a lot of points per game. And I don't know. I, I mean, I didn't go in depth to their, with their schedule last year or look at, look at their games or their films because yeah. – they, they gave up a lot of points and a lot of yards, but was that because the offense was scoring quickly or, yeah, uh, you know, because, because they were, they were with Cole Kelly seemed to be throwing the ball a lot. So may not have been yeah. using a whole lot of a clock there. No, they weren't. They were a, they were a fast strike offense. They were, I think the, if not the best uh, offense in, in FCS, they were one of the top two or three in FCS. They were a team that relied on defense on turnovers. They turned the other team over a lot. They gave up a lot of yards, but then they turned them over. So they're a team that, you know, kind of that bend, don't break defense and ball hawking defense. And, and that was their, their strategy. I, everything that I've heard from Coach Delfo on the press conferences is the expectation is the defense will be much better this year. Um, but again, you're going from, not very good to he wants to keep the turnover ratio but then you know be able to stop teams which he struggled to do last year um so so yeah i think a lot of it was they got the ball they scored quickly and they gave it they they would get scored against pretty quickly and then go back it was it was always high scoring games i mean if you look at some of the games that they played you know they had a 52 to 55 loss to uh uh Incarnate Word. Uh, they had a 42 to 45 win uh, versus Southeastern, or I'm sorry, 42 to 45 lost to Nichols. Um, they, but they they scored a lot and they got scored on a lot. Uh, so this is a this is a team. I don't know if it's like I said. He expects the defense to be better, but they led the FCS in scoring with 45 points a game last. Year. Talk to me about special teams. What are they going to do? I mean, they, do they have a punter? I mean, it's one of those yeah. things that, I mean, obviously they have a punter, but you never know yeah. who's going to come in and do yeah. something they, somewhere. They got a pretty good one. Austin Dunlop uh, Dunlap was their punter last year. He averaged 43 yards a punt, um, and he had seven kicks over 50 yards. So he's he's a, you know, a guy who can kick the ball pretty well, um, you know, similar statistically to Reese Burns. So he's a, he's a pretty good punter. 
Um, so I, again, we're not, you know, spend a lot of time talking about, you know, how good or bad the punter is, unless they're really, really good. He was a sophomore. Returns. Is that, uh, yeah. for Lando Jordan, is he, is he returning punts or kicks as well? So the kickoff guy will be their starting wide receiver, Gage Lavardian, that we talked about earlier. And he's he's pretty good. He returned one for a touchdown last year. Um, the punt returning kind of both. So he was the main guy uh, for them, but he wasn't really that great at, at punt at punt returns, but he was dangerous as a as a kick returner. So Okay. Yeah, he's he's the guy to watch out for. He's an exciting little guy, and he makes a lot of plays. So both on special teams and on offense. So he's a kid we got to really watch out. You know, it's interesting. Southeastern was picked to win the Southland Conference, but at the same time, they have the same number of first place votes as uh, Incarnate Word, seven apiece, and the Nichols had two. Although Southeastern had ninety total votes, Incarnate Word eighty six. And Nichols, 79. And then, uh, who? Magnese, Northwestern, Magnese, 61, Northwestern State, 44. Texas yeah. A&M, Converse, 39. And Lamar, 25. Uh, yeah. Houston Baptist, 24. So it's a it's a three team race in the Southland this year between three really good teams. I think Nichols is going to be competing in that incarnate word that we talked about. They're a top 25 team, Southeastern's top 25 team. Um, but Southeastern, you know, and Incarnate Word, probably Nichols will be because there's a there's a big gap between the top three and the bottom rest of the conference uh, there, specifically because you got a lot of new teams in the conference because there's so much movement in the uh, in, in that level, and then the teams that were traditionally better when like Kingnese had been good for a few years, they're not very good this year. Uh, Northwestern has not been good in a long time, and then you bring in teams like. Texas A&M Commerce, who you know nothing about, right? I mean, it's right. it's, it's really going to be a three-team race, and I think uh, Southeastern is going to be at the top of it, and we'll figure it out from there. All right, then. Um, nice breakdown. Thank you, as always. But before I let you go, let's talk prediction. What's going to happen this weekend? Uh, first, before we talk about what's going to happen, what needs to happen on, on offense for the Cajuns? Yeah, on offense, I think we need to get the ball into that middle group uh, and attack their uh, linebacker core. I think we need to figure out, you know, the running backs have to get past that 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 first wave of their defensive linemen. And once we do that, I think we've got a huge advantage. I think we're going to see specifically because it's uh, the first start for Chandler Fields. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, easy completions kind of in the middle of the field where he gets some confidence, maybe some, you know, passes out to the outside so he can throw, you know, complete a few early passes. We've got to get past that first line. And when we are, our big receivers, you know, Michael Jefferson, Stevenson's are run, John Stevens juniors are running downhill into that defensive backfield. I think that's where we got the advantage. We're going to attack them in the. Oh, we got a little pause here. Let me see. Uh, so my internet connection is unstable. Ooh, look at that. Imagine <laughs> that. Um, Dave, um, what do the Cajuns need to do on defense? 
But I think it, it all goes back to the same thing. We got to get pressure on the quarterback, and I, from our front, uh, specifically our front group, um, I think we'll get Andre Jones will be in the backfield. Zion Hill will, uh, you know, wreak havoc on them. Um, but I think we definitely need to attack them uh, with pressure on a quarterback that's, you know, not as confident as their starter from last year. So we got to get him rattled. They, again, they don't have anything behind him that we should be concerned about. So if we can get him, uh, you know, nervous or make plays and they got to think about making a change of quarterback, we're going to be in good shape. So I think we can pressure them there. Um, and then our, our core needs to make some plays and we need who's going to be the guys who step up, Chris Mockers and, 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 and some of these guys need to, uh, Jordan Quibido, they need to make some plays uh, for us. But I think the pressure on the quarterback is going to be a big one. Uh, this is a team that loves to throw the ball all around the field or has in the past. My expectation is they're probably going to do it again. And uh, he's going to have a hard time sitting back in the pocket if we're chasing it all over the field. And I think that's what we're going to need to do. How much of an, of an advantage is it to for uh, the Cajuns have to seen uh, the uh, the uh, Southeastern's quarterback? I think it's a little bit of an advantage, but look, the players that have seen him, you know, a lot of those guys are gone. It's going to be a whole different team. The coaching staff, some of those guys are still there. So that's a little bit of an advantage that we might have. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a different offense. It's going to be a different uh, scheme. So I don't think it's going to be something that we, it's going to be a huge advantage for us. But, you know, we know, we know what he brings to the table. With, whereas if it was somebody, a brand new quarterback walking in the room that we weren't familiar with, we wouldn't know what his talent level would be except for game film. Um, and we don't have to worry about that. We know where this guy's strengths and weaknesses are, so we can attack him that way. So I, I think it gives a little bit of an advantage, but not anything that I think is going to change, you know, move the dial for us. Gotcha. Um, prediction, score. Yeah, I, yeah, this has been a couple of weeks ago that I put this in my head, and, and I, I'm going to stick because I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say Cajuns 41-10. 41-10, I will say 42-13. So just to be I contradictory. Hope, I hope we're close. <laughs> I hope we're both close, correct. And I hope it's very uh, non-chest uh, grabbing and thinking we're having a heart attack at the end of the game, so. I agree with you. I, I agree with you. Now, I know we're about to be done with this, but we did not talk about what we were drinking, and I know everybody wants to hear it. Dave, I am uh, drinking Redemption Rye, which I was able to pick up at Albertson's for $9 off right now. Uh, so uh, I was able to pick up, I grabbed a couple bottles of that. And what kind of sissy beer are you drinking then? So not a sissy beer at all. Oh. I, I am drinking uh, a, a traditional German Doppelback. Um, so a, tr a traditional German Doppelback um, is a uh, very heavy uh, alcohol content beer. Um, to give you an, the history of Doppelbach, um, so it's a double Bach, it's a German word for double. So it's a double brewed beer. But this beer is the monks in Germany 
created this beer specifically for when they were fasting because they couldn't eat and the, this beer drinks like a meal. So they would use this as their food or their substance during the time that they were supposed to be fasting. And they would brew this beer specifically to get them through the fasting times, which is, uh, it's a heavy content, alcohol content beer, but it's a very good one. But it's a traditional, it's a Polliner, Sal Polliner is the brewery and it's a Salvatore is the beer. This is a tradition, this is actually a German brewery um, not a craft brewery from the U.S., but a German brewery that I, I picked up a mixed back of. So, okay, well, I, I will apologize since you're drinking German beer. I lived in Germany. <laughs> I, I lived in Germany for six years, so uh, I'll give you a break on that. And then uh, I'm not sure I could drink the German beers right now, though, unless uh, <laughs> unless I want to spend the rest of the evening sleeping. So, yep. but well, good deal, man. Uh, we will talk soon, and depending yes, on when these drop, we'll, we still have to do our uh, Sunbelt Conference uh, predictions. So the we'll find some. Gonna be, the ones you're going to be all wrong on, right? And I'm going to be right on all of them. Well, there's a, I, I wouldn't say all wrong, because I'm sure we're going to have some of the same ones. But go That's ahead. That's true. That's true. Talk no. shit if you want, but, you know. <laughs> At the, no. I, I am going to be uh, watching and keeping track of um, keeping track of our predictions and see as the most. And we may have to put a little uh, little wager on it. I'm not a gambling could, man, but uh, I'm willing to make a could, bet. We could do it. We could, uh, yeah, we could definitely do that. Do you know? And I haven't looked. Do you know if we have any? uh games in the sun belt before saturday yes friday night i know that for sure and okay. i just closed okay. that uh i want I was, to I was, say I was pulling it up to look myself i didn't know yeah i'm trying to uh here we go it, i think uh, it's uh, virginia virginia uh, tech old dominion is yeah. on friday night um so yeah so we do have we do i knew have there that. was one so that that's what I'm saying. I will be watching that Friday night. Yep. Good enough, man. All right. We'll talk soon. We'll get our everything in. A uh, lot of recording, lots of lots going on. So you've been listening yes, and we're talking. Go ahead. Oh, as you said, yes, sir. You've been listening and we're talking with Craig Molanson and Dave Amato. And we'll be back talking more later. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.